Section 20 of the Roosevelt's Rondon Scientific Expedition and Telegraph Line Commission. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Roosevelt Rondon Scientific Expedition and the Telegraph Line Commission by Candido Mariano da Silva Rondon. Translation by Richard George Reedy and Edwin Douglas Murray. Third Lecture, Part 7 If we accompany the course of the Guapore and continue along the Madeira, the first river which we will meet after the Corombiara, studied by the Telegraph Lines Commission, is the Jassi Parana. In my lectures of 1911, I explained how the error of the geographical charts with regard to the course and the position attributed to this river, led me to include it in the plan of the great 1909 expedition. Therefore, it is now known that I detached a party under the direction of Captain Manuel Theofilo da Costa Pinheiro to that river, whose principal objective was to await the arrival of the expedition which had left from Teparopoen directing itself across the Certeo dos Parises and of the Nambiquaras to a point in which the parallel of 10 degrees is cut by the meridian of 20 degrees west of Rio de Janeiro. At this point the charts marked the headwaters of the Jesse Paraná. The fact, however, was quite another, because what exists there is the Jamari, and the parallel of ten degrees only intercepts the course of the Jassi after passing the meridian of twenty-one degrees. The consequence of this error in the charts was that the members of the expedition coming from Tapirapoan had to get out into the Madeira through the Jamari, without having the benefit of the assistance which was awaiting them on another river. However, the efforts made by Captain Costa Pinheiro and by his assistant, Lieutenant Amilcar Armando Botello de Magalhez, were not lost. On the contrary, they were most useful for the progress of the geographical knowledge of important regions in our country. As it is impossible to here give a summary of all the notable achievements of the expedition under Captain Costa Pinheiro, I will limit myself to cite the enumeration which he himself made in his report, already published, of the work effected on the Jesse. He proceeded with a topographic survey of the river, from the mouth in latitude south 9 degrees 10 minutes 56 seconds 93, and in latitude west of Rio de Janeiro 21 degrees 18 minutes 22 seconds 20, up to the Cachoeira Grande, in latitude south, 10 degrees, 23 minutes, 56 seconds, 40, and in latitude west of Rio de Janeiro, 20 degrees, 51 minutes, 38 seconds, 10, with a linear development of 323.926 meters. Soundings were made in the canal. Thermometrical and barometrical observations of the whole of the extension surveyed were taken. Determination of the transverse section and discharge of all the affluents and the waterfalls and valuation of the theoretic and effective potentials of the falls and rapids encountered. 
determination of the geographical position of the most important points on the river, the calculation of the altitudes of a series of noted heights. The Rio Jaciparana, says Captain Costa Pinheiro, should have its sources on the Cerro dos Parises, which from Cachoeira Campo Grande is perfectly visible to the observer in a slightly oblique direction to the general direction of the river. From the observations which I made, I should say that its course at the outside could attain an average of 400 kilometers. Its general direction is southeast, and its tendency is more to the east than to the south. The river, in all its extension, is very winding, and the long stretches are rare. Its bed is very variable, and one can even affirm that up to this day the river has not yet fixed it. During the dry season one can navigate almost always over its primitive bed. In winter, however, every now and again one penetrates into a fresh bed, generally narrow and undefined, and which the river has prepared during the flooding season. As regards the affluents, some deserve special mention, inasmuch as they already possess the appearance of rivers, such as those called Canto, Formoso, Capivari, and Igarape, all on the left bank, and on the right bank the Branco and the Igarape da Divisa. As regards the population, the Jassi is occupied by rubber tappers nearly as far as the Cachoeira Grande, but its primitive inhabitants are the Caratiana Indians, who, oppressed by the rubber tappers, are pushed back to the forests in the highest points of the valley of the river. On ascending the Jesse, Captain Costa Pinheiro had one of his canoes attacked by these Indians who thought they recognized, in the physician of the expedition, Dr. Paulo dos Santos, a rubber tapper who persecuted them most cruelly. We will now see the terms in which Captain Pinheiro himself describes the attack. The fact, which so much grieved us, occurred on the 2nd of September, at 4 p.m., a little above the Barasayo da Esperanza, 137 kilometers distant from the mouth. We had not yet made three stages after the passage of the above-mentioned Barasayo, when we heard cries for help which came from the canoe in front of us. Losing no time, we rushed to the point whence came the cries, perceiving as we got nearer the exclamations, The Indians! The Indians! coming from two men who were struggling in the water. We promptly fired a series of shots into the air, whilst the canoe arrived at the spot where the two men, who, bad swimmers, were endeavoring in a supreme effort to reach the other side of the river. Having taken them into our boat, we directed ourselves to the canoe which was alongside the bank of the river, in which was Dr. Paulo dos Santos, who, with three arrows in his body, was bleeding and unconscious. Having taken him into our canoe, which was the bigger and more commodious, we endeavored to discover a missing man. This man, who was sick, his companions declared, had thrown himself into the water after having been wounded by an arrow. All our efforts to find him were in vain. As it was now getting dark, we returned to the camp, a little beyond the point where the attack commenced, in order to attend to the wounded. Dr. Paolo presented two large wounds on the left arm near the elbow, and another in the abdomen. This last wound was very slight. 
the other man eugenio martins afonso showed a small wound on the left thigh early on the following day i sent a well-manned canoe to search for the other man who had disappeared for there was a supposition that he had gained and remained on the opposite bank of the river at three o'clock in the afternoon the canoe returned with the body of the unfortunate jose da selva which showed a large wound produced by an arrow in the ribs on the bank of the river i dug a grave and buried him he was a good man disciplined very quiet and a worker his death upset us very much and produced great terror amongst our personnel after this sad accident the expedition continued and terminated its work without any further annoyance beyond the natural privations in common with those lonely and wild places accompanied by sickness and tropical fevers which seriously attacked captain pinheiro and his devoted assistant lieutenant amilcar de magalhaes if we continue from the mouth of the jassi to descend the madeira we will pass in front of the town of santo antonio and following on we will find the entry of another river entirely explored and studied by the telegraph line commission this is the jamari which for the first time we had run over in nineteen o nine having reached through the course of one of its subtributaries the river pardon the conditions under which this took place and the observations collected in this first journey have already been expounded in the public lectures of nineteen eleven the telegraph line in the part constructed by the north section leaves santo antonio in a direction almost due east it crosses the river candeas reaches the jamari crosses it and follows along its course from north to south up to the bar of the canaan where in nineteen o nine we encountered the baraseo de bonfuturo and where the telegraph station arequimis exists to-day in maps previous to the work of the Telegraph Lines Commission, as, for example, in those of Horace E. Williams, under the title of O Acre e a Frontiera entre o Brasil e a Bolivia, Acre and the Brazilian-Bolivian Frontier, emphasized with the declaration Conforme o Tratado de Patrópolis, according to the Treaty of Petrópolis, the highest headwaters of the Jamari figure extended to the south of parallel twelve degrees in the middle of the section determined by the meridians of seventeen degrees and eighteen degrees. By this localization, the Jamari would have to cut the valley of the Gui Paraná, passing over the rivers Barreo de Melgaso, Pimenta Bueno, Rolem de Mura, and Ricardo Franco in short over all the affluents of the left of the gui without counting the mountain ranges which would have to be crossed such as the expedicio and desansas such terrible anarchy in the domains of geography does not in fact exist because the jamari limits itself to extend its bed of scarcely four hundred kilometers up to a little below parallel ten degrees but without barely passing to the east of meridian twenty degrees of the two principal branches of which we can consider it to be formed one already brings from its sources the name which it maintains until entering the madeira and the other is called the canaan 
on leaving this place where the confluence occurs in latitude ten degrees two minutes it successively receives the waters of the rivers branco preto and verde the two first of which i have previously mentioned and on the left those of the mesangana and the already mentioned candeas whose volume is almost equal to it and its mouth is not more than twenty-five kilometers from the point in which the two united lose themselves in the Madeira. With regard to the population, we already know that the Jamari, besides being largely inhabited by white people who are employed in the extraction of India rubber and caucho, possesses two Indian tribes, one called Bocas Pretas and the other Arequimis. The first, who are settled between the rivers Branco and Preto, are even to this day persecuted by the invaders of their forests. With regard to the second lot, whose real name is Ahopovo, the name of Arikimis being taken from the Europa vocabulary, I will relate their short and very sad history, from the moment that they came into contact with the white people, up to the time in which the Telegraph Lines Commission took them under their protection. In the beginning of 1911, the Sertenajos, who collected caucho and established themselves along the Masagana, began to get as far as the headwaters of this river, where the Arakimi villages were to be found. The persecution of the Indians commenced on this occasion. In the month of June, these caucho tappers resolved to make a general onslaught against their malocas. Guided by the tracks opened in the forest by the Indians themselves, they succeeded in discovering one of the Malocas. They surrounded same in the early morning whilst they were at work, and suddenly opened fire, and the bullets from their Winchesters rained upon their huts. The unfortunate Indian men, women, and children only thought of flight, frightened out of their lives. One, however, named Ogunho, fell assassinated by the gunfire. The assailants, now in possession of the village, sacked it, and, as the time was not sufficient for them to terminate the nefarious work which they had planned, they returned on the following day with more companions, they separated what was still left as being good and useful, and what they rejected they smashed and burnt, leaving everything reduced to ashes. The rubber plantations of Masagana belonged to Mr. Francisco de Castro, but still further up, above the mouth of this river, on the Jamari, there existed already at that time other rubber-tappers' establishments, namely those belonging to the brothers Aruda. With one of these I conversed regarding the brutal occurrences, and persuaded him to use, and cause to be adopted by his men employed on the rubber forest, more humane treatment worthy of our civilization or at least such as would not cause us to blush when one remembers that it was used by Brazilians against their brothers inside the mother country. Future events took upon themselves to prove that my appeal had not been made in vain. On the contrary, they were fully corresponded to in the sentiments and thoughts of the person to whom my appeal had been directed, viz. Mr. Godofredo Aruda. In fact, in the following year, 1912, the employees of this proprietor, following at all hazards the instructions which they had received, succeeded in establishing pacific and friendly relations with the Atakimis, who frequently visited his rubber estate. 
the notice of this success was not long in getting known to the caucho men of the masagana who changing their tactics but not their purpose established friendly relations with the indians thus they succeeded in being admitted into the villages of that river and once in them they immediately commenced to commit the greatest abuse provoking the disorganization of the indian families and demoralized the customs and institutions of the Atakimis. under the action of this deleterious influence the tribe commenced to rapidly dissolve itself their inhabitants taken away from the villages were disseminated through all the barasois of the rubber estates on the masagana and as far as the candeas where most of them died of avaria and defluxo diseases which amongst the indians of the amazon assume the proportions of a terrible epidemic and cause enormous mortality in february nineteen thirteen at maneos where i had arrived from rio de janeiro i learned that a couple of young arakimi boys had been taken to belem do para by the owner of a rubber estate on the masagana it was necessary to hand them back to their tribe and family and for this reason i demanded and obtained through the inspectorate of the service for the protection of the indians in that city police intervention which caused the boys to be taken out of the hands of their detainer abuses of the nature of those to which i have just referred unfortunately occur in our country more frequently than one would reasonably expect inasmuch as we being a duly organized nation the authorities should know that the first and the most noble of all their duties is to afford protection to those of their compatriots who by reason of their weakness or ignorance may be exposed to violent treatment dispensed openly or otherwise by individuals or groups of individuals who are powerful and prepotent as evidence of what i have just stated i will mention that on the same occasion and whilst in maneos i was obliged to demand the assistance of the police of the state of amazonas to stop the frenchman labadie ex-chief of the mollard mission from leaving for europe taking with him as he had intended an indian of the wapachana tribe whom he had brought from the upper rio branco having succeeded in this i left maneos taking the direction of the jamari whilst i was ascending the madiera from all sides i received complaints that various families withheld in their power many arikemi children then i went to fetch them and took them with me and continued the voyage taking them back to their villages which i was determined to reconstitute and protect amongst these children those named pariba poroya and antina were handed over to me seriously ill so much so that on arriving at my camp in the torno largo on the jamari i had to leave them in charge of the commission's physician from the camp i continued the journey upstream taking with me the indian boys opuna and patama on the eighth of march i took out from a launch belonging to some rubber tappers who were coming downstream a group of sixteen indians amongst whom was the mother of these boys the poor woman appeared to have gone mad with joy at seeing her sons who had been snatched away from her and whom she had thought lost forever the last part of the voyage by land was most arduous it rained incessantly and the indians sick and worn out could scarcely walk 
Finally we arrived at their villages. The state of misery which I there encountered was enough to make the hearts, even of the most hard-hearted, bleed. Many of them had been destroyed by fire. The plantations and barns had been sacked and robbed. The women kidnapped and outraged. The children had been stolen and carried away. Sickness hitherto unknown had appeared, and was causing a mortality never before seen. In fact, the tribe which, at the moment of entry into relations with the rubber tappers, was at least six hundred in number, could now scarcely muster more than sixty. I do not wish, however, to delay in contemplating this picture more than sad, depressive, and why not say it, a shameful example of the perverse and destructive ferocity which assails civilized men when they have not the break of a human ideal, civic and planetary capable of directing them and moralizing the employment of the enormous forces which science and industry placed in their hands, leaving them, however, the liberty to judge, according to their sentiments and to their intentions, the choice to apply them to good or evil. End of section 20